With an online business, you can learn these things more slowly. There's like a, an easier learning curve where you can kind of up level your understanding and your skills around business as your business grows because you can kind of do all the things in the beginning. But as your business, you know, scales up, you do have to start to think about bringing other people in the business. Like it is going to be inevitable. You're not going to be able to do everything, at least not without, you know, your significant other leaving you and you losing all your hair and stressed out, right? Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Hey everybody, I have something different for you today. Today, we're going to talk all about finance. Now, as a teacher, I can say that talking about money or the business side of course creation is not really my zone of genius. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce Parker Stevenson to the podcast. Now, Parker and I talk about the business of courses, the current trends in the industry that we're excited about, the mindset shifts and action required of business owners when they transition to six figures, and his best advice to help you make good decisions in your business. If you're not familiar with Parker, Parker is a managing partner and the chief business officer at Evolve Finance a bookkeeping firm that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs build more profitable and financially stable online businesses. For over seven years, Parker has been advising some of the top coaches, course creators, influencers, and thought leaders on how to make more sound business decisions using their financial data. Before joining Evolve Finance, Parker spent five years at Adidas America, where he became the U.S. product manager for golf footwear. There is so much gold inside of this interview, so sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Parker Stevenson. Hello, Parker. So great to have you on Skill Your Course. I've been looking forward to this interview. Tracy, it's not often that a dude who owns a bookkeeping business hears I'm excited to talk with you, so I greatly appreciate it, and I'm just happy to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, I um, had the opportunity to be introduced to you and some of your content. And the more I listened and the more I checked things out, the more excited I got because you're going to offer to this conversation here on Scale Your Course a perspective that hasn't been touched on yet. It's a fairly new podcast. I'm, I think this will be episode 26 or 27 by the time it gets published. And so um, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to weave in some of the stuff that I usually like to talk about with the teaching sure. and learning, but the finance stuff and understanding, you know, that we're creating businesses or have businesses that we've created that we want to mm-hmm. continue to grow and scale and um, having the opportunity to have an expert like yourself contribute back to the podcast, I think is going to be great for all of us. So thank you for, again for being here. Of course, I'm happy to be here. All right. So why don't we start by letting you introduce yourself? I often do my introductions myself at the beginning. People have already heard that, but there's nothing like having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and and how you've landed in the chair across from me today. No, it's um, pretty wild. Um, I never thought I'd be co-owner of a bookkeeping business, that's for sure. But um, I, it's been some of the most fulfilling work I've ever done in my life, strangely enough. But uh, my name is Parker Stevenson. I'm the co-owner and chief business officer at Evolved Finance. And we're essentially just a bookkeeping firm for online businesses. The majority of our clients are course creators. A lot of them are maybe coaches or a hybrid of coaching and courses. A lot of our clients run membership sites or they're influencers, thought leaders, bloggers, authors, things of that nature. So uh, we work with just some of the most interesting, fascinating, inspiring people um, I've ever gotten to work with, which is definitely the benefit of what we do. Um, But I was like a musician. Um, 
growing up and thought, you know, when I was in college, I was going to be a rock star. I played in a band in LA, um, didn't do super well in my accounting classes, never thought I'd get involved in finance whatsoever. Um, when my band broke up, when I was playing in Los Angeles and kind of was trying to think about, well, I like business and I love the business part of being in a band. I'm like, what's the other thing I'd love to get into that I could do business stuff with? I was like, well, golf, I love golf. And so I moved down to San Diego where I grew, uh, grew up, um, after, school and uh, the golf industry, like all the big manufacturers are down here. So like Adidas Golf and TaylorMade and Callaway and Puma and Titleist. So I ended up getting a job with, at the time, TaylorMade was owned by Adidas. So it was TaylorMade Adidas Golf and worked my way up over the course of five years in the company. Had an awesome experience there, but also kind of realized that like, I don't think I really wanted to be in the corporate machine. Like I just didn't like how little control I had over my future um, and, and just didn't like being a small cog in a, in a big wheel. And so um, one of our, you know, my wife's best friends, Corey and Anna, uh, they had this little bookkeeping company and they were doing really well. And it was super, I was really interested about what they were doing and who their clients were. And Corey and I became better and better friends as my wife and I dated longer and then got married and all that, that eventually we kind of had a conversation like, think maybe I should come in and help you guys grow this business. And Corey's like, I kind of think you should too. And I was kind of like, well, can you teach me how to do bookkeeping? He's like, oh yeah, we'll teach you how to do bookkeeping. I'm like, okay. So I quit my cushy job at Adidas um, and just took a leap of faith with Corey and I learned how to do bookkeeping. And here we are, like we did that back in 2014. So we're, it's been over six years now and it's been one of the most fulfilling and amazing experiences I've ever had. So again, not sure. Sometimes I wonder how I got here. Um, but again, I, I'm just so proud of what we do at Evolve Finance and, and how far we've come. Wow. Just this idea that you just sort of jumped in didn't know where your life was taking you. You landed in one place, like you said, in a cushy place. It wasn't a bad place, but then you just decided to throw it all away and try something new and look like it's become your thing. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely sometimes I look back and I go, I can't believe I left that like cushy corporate job to do this, but ultimately ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made, maybe aside from like marrying my wife. So Oh, that's sweet. I think um, you sound like somebody who knows how to find the opportunities or at least see the opportunities, even when they're not, you're not looking for them. So that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I really wanted to touch on your most recent podcast episode because it is a part one. So I'm excited for the part two. The episode title was investing in the long-term success of your online business but um, when I was listening to it, what I appreciated about it was sort of your specific references to course creators and sort of the um, shift that you're seeing in the online space with course creation. So I'm just wondering if you would touch a little bit on that. What do you see as sort of where we've evolved to over the past year, specifically with COVID in the course creation space? I mean, the big thing is, and it started even before COVID, um, I think COVID opened up the door to a lot of people to realizing that online education is huge and there was a big opportunity for them there. Um, but what I've seen since I got into this industry, and we were talking a little bit about this before um, we started recording, which is that I think a lot of people just saw, oh, I just make a course and sell it and I make money and I can't believe that it works out so easily. This seems like a cash machine, right? And I definitely think six, seven, eight years ago, there were some people that cashed in on being some of the first course creators um, and teaching um, content that maybe wasn't that valuable, but they were really good at marketing it and there wasn't that much competition. So they kind of cashed in on it. Um, but what we've seen with our clients over the years is that they always have had phenomenal intentions and wanting to actually help people, right? Um, but you, you kind of follow trends and there was a long time where just, yeah, I'm going to make a course and uh, the course, I'm going to put a lot of thought into it and it's going to be really good. But as we've seen over the years, and I'm sure you've seen these stats too, Tracy, where it's like a lot of our clients were seeing maybe 20% of their their students were actually going through the course content and completing it. Um, and so you have this whole 80 other 80% who only go through part of it or don't do any of it at all. And even though, you know, we've seen our, our course creation clients, like they're still making money off that 80% that's buying. And number one, didn't feel really good. Number two, it, it, 
didn't create any opportunity to build a relationship with their students and actually help them get results, which helps build buzz around their offer, um, creates opportunity to build even deeper business relationships with their students. So while digital courses are still um, something, you know, almost every one of our clients have in one way or another, um, there's more of this focus on making sure there's support around the digital content, whether it's doing group calls or uh, getting one-on-one -on -one coaching with it or group coaching or having office hours or better customer service uh, experience to make sure like, you know, you come from higher education. If you just said, all right, students, here's the books, come to the lecture. Now don't ask me any questions and just learn all this material. Like that's not a recipe for success. And I think the course online education industry as a whole is realizing that they need to just hold their students a little more accountable and provide them the support they need so that they actually get the results that I think these course creators are trying to get for them. And I think that's just a beautiful thing and, and something that's, um, just building more credibility and, and making the online education space more successful. Yeah. You mentioned me coming from the higher education space. Absolutely. I agree. For the first few years in business for myself, I was kind of lurking and sort of watching, you know, what was happening and particularly in the online course creation space. And I, I really had a bit of a jaded um, feeling that people were really more in it for the money than for actually the benefit of the student and, and coming from higher education, of course. And I, I heard you talking about this, even on a, an interview that you did with Brianne Dick is that, you know, as your wife is in higher education, the focus is on getting the student results. It's about student success. It's about preparing people for whatever is coming next in their life, whatever position that they're aspiring to become. And so the result of that is the critical piece. It's not just mm -hmm. about enrolling them in the, in the program and taking their money. And while not everyone has that approach, that was sort of my initial feeling in the space. But as I started to really immerse myself, and certainly over the last, I would say, 12 to 24 months, you know, being in clubhouse rooms and in Facebook groups, like there really is this, this new shift of, around student success and actually creating content and curriculum so that it's really intentional and meaningful for students. So um, I'm glad that you're seeing the same things because it is really exciting. People are starting to really talk less about passive income and more about how can I create something that makes me feel as good as I'm going to make my student by getting them the results. So it's too competitive now for you to just be able to put out something and expect people to go through a poorly uh, conceptualized curriculum or uh, digital learning experience, right? Like there's a reason uh, the Daniel Leslie's, the Caitlin Batchers, the Mariah Causes, the Rachel Rogers, these people who have been really successful with online education, the reason they're successful is because they get results. They actually solve problems and, and, and a lot of times are changing uh, their students lives especially when you get into the business education you know similar to what you're you know you're doing tracy but even like we have clients who are teaching piano or acoustic guitar I literally we just signed up um a new client today who's like a world-renowned fiddle player who has an online fiddle education i mean these are people who are experts and are really good at something and i think that's where um it's so important that for anyone who's aspiring to do something like you gotta know what you gotta know your your what you're teaching right and 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 know um, how to actually communicate and teach the things you want your students to get. And the more effort and time you put into that, then when it comes to the marketing, like it makes marketing so much easier. A story I always like to tell is um, Zach Rockland, who is Gabrielle Bernstein's husband, who's a COO of, of that business and, and her business partner and, and a really, really smart business person, one of the, the smartest people I've ever worked with. Um, and I asked him one time, so what, you know, what do you think is kind of the secret to like Gabby's business? And Gabby is a, uh, for those that are, who maybe aren't familiar with Gabrielle Bernstein, she's just um, really, really hugely successful uh, author and public speaker and, and uh, around the world, of, you know, self-development and spirituality. And, and we've worked with Gabby for a really long time and they just always are doing, they, they just grow each year and do so well. And I kind of asked Zach, I'm like, what do you think it is about the marketing, about what you guys do? You're such great marketers. He's like, we have a good product. Like, that's it. Like, you, I mean, I, it's a common phrase, but like, you can only polish a turd so much, right? And it's still a turd. And that's where, um, you know, he really credited Gabby to 
just her offers that a lot of them she's still selling years later um, to just they're really good, right? And if it's really good, you build buzz, there's excitement, you get great testimonials, and it gives you marketing um, sort of momentum, right? When we have something good. And so I think as course creators, curriculum designers, um, coaches, educators, consultants, um, it's not enough to just go, well, I recorded something, let's put it out there. But now we have to go, okay, it's not enough to just put something down. We just have to be more thoughtful about, okay, how am I putting the material together? Um, what's the experience I want my students to have? And how are we going to support them? And that's where, again, we're seeing our clients uh, really taking that more seriously and, and having a lot of financial success because they're taking that more seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I wrote down here in my notes, the quotes from your episode 140 that really resonated with me was you said creating the structure and foundation for your business to operate for years to come and continue to grow and hopefully keep it going in an upward trajectory requires infrastructure. And mm -hmm. so, you know, moving beyond sort of even the solopreneur model of being the person that's doing it all and making decisions about, you know, what do we need to have in place in order to really make sure that this product, this course, whether it be a digital course or maybe even a hybrid style model mm -hmm. where you're doing a little bit of coaching and consulting and teaching, right? Yep. There's, you could be wearing many hats. Would you mind talking a little bit about infrastructure and for, yep. you know, just for the sake of, being the teacher in me, can we maybe just define what we mean by infrastructure and then talk a little bit more about what you feel is sort of that mindset and action that needs to be taken to get there? Oh man, I love this. I can't wait to dive into all of these things. Um, so I, I, let me just start off first by saying, I don't want anyone listening to get overwhelmed by this right from the, from the beginning. Cause they're like infrastructure. I'm just trying to get something online and like you, so much of this happens over time, right? Not, it's not all this just gets built right from the start and then you go. I just want to make sure everyone understands that's listening that, you know, this is a process. You're going to build this infrastructure as you move along and your business grows and you have more success. Um, but when we start to think about infrastructure, it's, it's about like, what are the systems, the tools, the processes that we have in place so that we can continue to serve more and more students or more and more clients. And so there's going to be the things like, okay, how do we move away from you just doing these live classes where people show up on Zoom to like, all right, putting this on a platform like Kajabi or Teachable or Thinkific or whatever you choose. And then like building out the actual infrastructure so we can bring more and more students into this program and, and make it easier to deliver, right? How we deliver on the offer is part of that infrastructure. But then you get into other things that go beyond like delivering your offer and you get into things like, okay, well, this is a business. Money's coming in and out of this business. So how are we keeping track of that? Who's doing our bookkeeping? Um, we know we're going to have to file taxes. So how are our accounting practices going to be? Do we have an accountant that's going to help, that's going to help us with this? As we become more successful, we might maybe need to create a business entity or maybe we need some um, some legal work done to put together agreements or legal jargon on our website, right? It's starting to create these pieces that are either going to help us scale the business and allow us to get more work done and serve more students, or it's going to allow us to protect the business like our business entity um, and, and, and making sure we're filing our taxes properly. And also some of the infrastructure of making sure the business is giving us feedback, right? Do we have data coming back to us so we're not just operating from how the business feels where it feels like we have money in the bank. It feels like our marketing is working, right? We eventually have to get to a place where it's like, well, I need financial data. Something telling me how profitable are we for the month? How profitable have we been for the year? Where are our big, biggest expenses? How are our Facebook ads doing? How's the conversion rate doing on my webinar? Like there's all this data that's, that wants to tell you um, whether you're doing the right things or the wrong things in your business. And if we don't have those systems and that infrastructure in place, uh, and if we don't start to take that infrastructure a little more seriously as we continue to grow, then what we've seen with our clients is that they might be able to grow to a certain level, but then they kind of hit their ceiling and that ceiling might be really stressful because they're not, they just don't have enough like of a foundation in their business because they're still kind of just winging everything all the time. Or they go, okay, like 
we're, we're kind of operating okay, but I understand that like, I'm going to fundamentally have to run this business differently if I want this business to double in size, triple in size, quadruple, so on and so forth. So that's where it goes beyond just like, am I a good teacher? Am I good at like positioning my offer and marketing it? There's all these sort of other parts of the game of being a business owner that then becomes a little more important. It's, it's our operations, our systems, um, and, and sort of the, the structure we have to give us feedback in the business, like that financial feedback and then the legal and, and accounting stuff. So I, I, when I list that all out, for some people, I think they go, oh my God, that sounds like so much. And it's not once you get familiar with it and you understand that a lot of this stuff is just bringing the right people in, but there's just that point where we have to go, okay, this isn't just a cash machine where it just puts money in my bank. It gets to be a point where it's like, okay, we need to have separate bank accounts for this business. It needs to be separate from my personal finances. Eventually, I need to create a business entity. Eventually, I need to have some sort of processes and systems um, in place so that I'm not the only one doing the work and I can train and have other people help me do the work in this business, right? I need to have um, better data so I can make better decisions as the business grows. Like these are the things that as you start to get better at selling your offer, some of it will come naturally and you'll just kind of problem solve and realize as a business owner, I need visibility into this or this needs to function. This part of my business needs to function more efficiently or you might need to bring in experts. Again, uh, no business owner should be filing their own taxes, but you're going to get to the point where you're like, uh, I made a lot of money and I think my tax bill is going to be really high. I'm going to stop letting, you know, Joe Schmo, our neighbor, file my taxes and I'm going to actually hire a real accountant, right? So these are the things where as business owners, we need to be ready to solve problems and we have to be resourceful in our ability to learn the things we don't know and know that there's things we don't know so that we make sure we understand all the rules of what we're playing as, as business owners and, and make sure we're not skipping any steps or, um, ignoring something uh, aspect of our business uh, that we're just ignoring. Cause I don't like numbers. I don't want to do finance. It's like, well, if you want to run a successful business and not stay awake all night, stressing about if you have any money, these are the things where we need to create that infrastructure around. So does that kind of make sense? It does make a lot of sense. I'm wondering for myself and probably for others that are listening who maybe are either at the early stages or maybe they're further along and they just realize they just don't have all of the things that you just listed off. Like where does one start? Like, you know, should it be the bookkeeper that is the first person that you hire? Is that what you would recommend? I think it, it really starts off if you're going to, if, if we're talking about like the super businessy stuff that um, I think scares most entrepreneurs, I think it's just a matter of getting an accountant from the start. An accountant can be such a phenomenal resource. And I say that as we don't have account, we're not accountants. We don't sell accounting services. We only do bookkeeping. Um, but I think, excuse me, for newer businesses, the bookkeeping can be done fairly simply. Um, you as the business owner can keep track of the income and expenses in the spreadsheet to begin with. I don't really recommend every, anyone try to use bookkeeping software like QuickBooks Online. Bookkeeping software companies love to try to convince entrepreneurs, oh yeah, you can use our software. It's super easy. We found that it's just honestly, you can screw up less as a business owner if you can't afford a bookkeeper yet to just do it in a spreadsheet. But where I don't think you can really like scrimp and save is like trying to do your taxes yourself or letting your aunt who says, oh yeah, I've used Quicken before. I'll do it. No, like get an accountant who knows the tax laws in your country um, and get your taxes filed. Like, like that should be an automatic sunk cost each year that as long as you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, you're going to be spending 500 to $1,500 a year to begin with to have someone file your taxes. Um, otherwise, aside from that in the early stages, it's really just about like getting sales going, right? Like so much is just about, can we find our, our, our ideal customers? Can we position our offer in a way that makes it attractive, makes them want to invest with us? And then as we start to drive revenue more consistently, then that creates the opportunity for us to start to focus on, on some of these more um, next level things. Um, but for anyone getting started, track your expenses in a spreadsheet and your, your, you know, your income and expenses in a spreadsheet, hire an accountant and just focus all your time and attention on how do I put together a really good offer people actually want and how do I get better at actually finding people who want to purchase it. Yeah. For me, I focus primarily with people who are looking to kind of enhance their product, right? So maybe they have a course already that they've launched successfully. And the idea that, you know, you really need to have something that you can sell 
and it has to be good. Like there has to be something to it, especially if you want to grow and attract other people to it. it there needs to still be some um, essence to it, right? And so while people will put out their alpha beta versions, um, mm -hmm. there comes a time where you have to really look at it and ask yourself sort of like, what do I have here? Is, is this actually getting people where I say I'm, I'm taking them? And then that can help you with the positioning and making sure that you're helping attract all the right people. If you're scaling your business with courses, you need to make sure your course is actually designed for scale. I work with solopreneurs and teams to work through a process to improve your course or online program. Together, we look at all the moving parts, your curriculum, your content, your community, and your team systems and processes in order to make sure that your course or online program is as effectively designed and efficiently delivered as possible. If you're committed to courses and online programs as part of your business model, I'd like to invite you to a conversation. You can learn more about me and I can learn more about you and your business. All you have to do is visit bit.ly slash scale my course to book your free consultation today. But yeah, what you're saying too is like you get to a point where you, if you want to take your business to the next level and it isn't just about, you know, having a few extra hundred dollars a month or maybe a few extra thousand dollars a month, but you really want it to grow that you really need to, to put the focus on, on um, having all the systems and processes in place. So for some reason um, over the last six months, this, the systems processes and workflow stuff's really jazzed me up. I don't know why I was very much on the curriculum and content side. It's all about the teaching, just show up and be a good teacher um, but really, when we talk about it from a business perspective and not just, you know, about a re results-focused opportunity for people, there's just a, a different side to it for me. And I think I sort of ignored that piece for a really long time, even in my own business, because I didn't want to think about numbers and sales. I'm a teacher, so it was all about getting people like a transformation, <laughs> right? Um, but certainly taking a step back and working with clients who are now relying on me a little bit more to, you know, tap into parts of my brain that I did all this information that I've gathered over, over time. Um, I'm now being able to, to guide and coach a little bit more on small pieces of the business side of things, which mm -hmm. I hadn't been doing before. So it's really just opened up a whole other world for me too. And, and you're really giving us lots of food for thought, um, on, um, you know, what, what we need to be thinking about next beyond, Hey, I'm going to put a course out there. Well, and this is, uh, this is something I talk about in our, our free workshop that we do in our, our website. It's called Know Your Numbers Now. And it's this idea that there's two games you have to learn as a business owner, right? The first game that we think is the only game we need to learn how to play as business owners is how do I make money? How do I drive revenue? How do I make sales, right? Um, because if you only just wanted to teach, like you'd just be a teacher and you'd go teach where you just show up and you get your paycheck and you <laughs> so don't have true. to worry about payroll. You don't have to worry about any of these businessy things that we, you know, marketing skills, sales skills, operational uh, stuff, right? You would just go teach. Um, but such a big part of being a business owner is I have to learn where my customers are. I have to build something they actually want to buy. And then I have to learn how to actually sell it. Right. And then I think that's such a daunting task and it's so difficult to be able to do that. I think a lot of the times business owners go, well, that's it, right? Like as long as I can sell stuff, it's going to be good and I'll be fine. And to some degree, yeah, kind of like if you have regular revenue going in, that's better than what most can do. But what we've seen with our clients is they kind of get sideswiped with this second game that all of a sudden comes into play. Once you start making money, then we have to learn how to manage the flow of money in and out of our business. And what I mean by that is sure, maybe we're making $20,000 a month in courses and coaching or whatever we're doing here with our course. And we're now making $20,000 a month, but $20,000 a month in volume of students might not be something you can support by yourself. 
So then we might need to have a VA or maybe we have a business manager. Maybe you need to hire another coach or teacher in your program. We have to buy more software in order to make your marketing more functioning. Maybe part of the reason we're making $20,000 a month is because we're spending a certain amount in advertising every month. Um, so now all of a sudden we, we have to put money back in the business to help that revenue grow, but there's this balance, right? If it's costing us $20,000 a month to make $20,000 in revenue, that's $0 in profit right there. So it's like, yeah, we're making money, but we're not doing a good job of playing game number two, which is managing the flow of money in and out of the business. And so that's where as business owners, we have to get that financial feedback and we have to understand that everything we spend money on in our businesses are an investment right? We're hoping that by spending money on these things in our business, they're either going to be things that will directly give us a return on that investment. Like if I give Facebook $1, hopefully they'll send back $3 in sales to me. Or if I spend um, $1,000 working with this coach, they're going to teach me how to make $10,000 directly from that. But then on the flip side, there's these other expenses that are more indirect where it's like, I'm going to hire a virtual assistant because I can't possibly answer another customer service email at this point. It's literally driving me crazy. And my time is better served doing more revenue generating activities anyways, right? It's not, um, it's not the best use of my time as the owner who at this point in the business is the only one who knows how to drive sales and make the money. I need to invest the money in other people and other systems and softwares that allows the, the, the operations of the business to be more efficient. Um, so I can focus on the things that are actually going to drive the revenue of the business, but we still have to make sure that we're doing these things um, with some sort of visibility and, and some sort of um, prudence because it's easy to just spend money to make the business easier to run, but how do we invest in the business to make it easier to run? Sorry, my mic stand is falling apart as we speak. Um, <laughs> But what I was going to say is that, you know, as we invest in the business, we have to strike that balance between actually having some profit left over, right? With also making sure that you're not losing your mind trying to do all the things in the business. And that's the piece that I think kind of catches um, business, all these course businesses where they start to really have some success selling something and, and, and then realize, oh, I don't get to just sell as much of my courses as I want and I don't have to think about anything else. And that's the thing that, again, you might just still be focusing on game number one if you're listening right now and you're just trying to get those sales. I'm just trying to plant the seed and know that um, there's going to be some more things you have to learn. But I think that's the fun of entrepreneurship is problem solving and learning new things and um, having these new experiences. And as long as you're aware that the goal is to make profit, not just to make sales, but to make sure we make profit, like you'll, you'll figure that out in your own way. Everybody does. All of our clients, none of our clients have MBAs in business or anything like that. They're just people that wanted to help out other people. But it is important to understand that like, we're not just here to teach. We're here to run a business and make some money too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head sort of this. Um, well, and you know that, but I mean, for me as, as someone who's just sort of uh, learning um, from you by listening to you, the idea that you you shift from this idea of just making money to actually like the profit part of it right is 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 a shift um and so yeah i think in terms of my listeners there's a, a wide range of people at different stages of their business some that have already had to make this shift um some that have like sadly you know looked back and have made some some grave errors, but um, are in the recovery phase and, and recognize that's how we learn, right? Like you said, it's an experiment. Entrepreneurship. We all do. About, Everybody does, right? Yeah. Like that's not special to anybody specifically. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was wondering too, you know, you talked about some of the different trends that you see in the space right now right? Mm -hmm. This sort of uh, the focus of moving from just creating a course, actually creating a business, which is, which is really great. What about teams? Where are people to spend their time and money when it comes to um, developing teams to help support this infrastructure that you're building? What's a, what's a reasonable size team? If, if that's even a possible question, I guess it probably depends on what your revenue is, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the beautiful part about online businesses and specifically course-based businesses, you don't really need that many, it could be just you, honestly, to begin with. 
and you can do all the things versus if you want to open a restaurant, you can't be the waiter, the, uh, the cook and the cashier and the bus person, like all at the same time, like you have to hire people right off the bat, which is why I think restaurants are some of the toughest, but like they fail more than almost any business because everyone, like a lot of people get sucked into the romantic side of being, you know, having your family restaurant. And then it's like, oh, you have to have like an MBA level understanding of business right from the start. Otherwise you're going to fail in a year with an online business. You can learn these things more slowly. There's like a, an easier learning curve where you can kind of up level your understanding and your skills around business as your business grows because you can kind of do all the things in the beginning. Um, but as your business, you know, scales up, you do have to um, start to think about bringing other people in the business. Like it is going to be inevitable. You're not going to be able to do everything, at least not without, you know, your significant other leaving you and you losing all your hair and stressed out, right? Like I know some people will try to push the limits of how much they want to work. I don't think most people want to do that though. So that's where for our clients and all of our clients that come to us, um, they have to be making a hundred thousand dollars or more a year. So they've already kind of figured out how to make this revenues, uh, make revenue somewhat consistently. So typically what we like to see is, is the revenue being 20% or less of their total sales, right? So if you have a business where you're doing, you know, $200,000 a year in sales, then that would mean your labor, your independent contractors would be somewhere around maybe 40 grand or less. Um, and obviously we, you know, in the early stages of a business, I like to see it considerably less, you know, as much under 20% as possible, but as you get closer to maybe half a million or beyond that, then it becomes inevitable. You're going to have to maximize that 20% of your revenue on team. Now, this is where, again, it, a connection between numbers and how you run your business, um, let's say we're working with a client and we see that their profitability is not quite where we want it to be. And a big reason is because they're spending 30 or 35% of their revenue on team members, on contractors, or maybe they have some employees as well. Well, then this is where, um, again, how you run the business, right? That this, this managing the flow of money in and out of your business becomes so important because with the way the business is running in that moment, they might need every single person doing the things that they're doing for this business to be successful. But that might be because maybe they're not charging enough for their actual offer. Maybe their systems and processes are so um, inefficient and complicated that it's taking two people to do something that if you had better systems and processes, maybe you would only need a part-time person to do that for you. So that's where, again, it's not enough to just put together some curriculum in a program and go, here it is. We have to be thinking about, well, Yes, the way I develop my program works when I have 20 clients at once, but when I have 200, is that going to be sustainable? And so that's where thinking about our business model, thinking about how we package our offer. And I sent again, I say offer because a lot of our clients will have courses, but there might be other pieces to the course that's kind of tied into their overall offer. Um, that's where that business model, how our offer works, ties into our operations. And we can see how well um, the operations are functioning based on what we see our clients spending their money on and what percentage of their uh, revenue is going to these specific expenses like contractors and labor. So that's why, again, you might go through a crazy growth period where you start to have a ton of sales in your course. Uh, you're super profitable your first year because you literally didn't have time to hire anybody. So you and a small team did everything and you're super profitable. And then the next year you go, I need more people. And you just start hiring more people to do the work. Well, what we've seen is that that kind of backfires for our clients because yes, we need more people for this business, but before we hire, and this is where I love Brianne Dick's outlook on things, but we have to make sure that we're not just hiring people to run an inefficient system and run an inefficient business. We need to combine hiring with making sure we have systems and processes in place to make sure that the, the work that needs to get done to serve the clients or do the back end work in the business is straightforward. It's efficient. It's something we can train others to do. And it's something that um, can continue to be done as the business maybe doubles, triples, or even quadruples in size. So this is where, um, again, thinking about 
team expenses. Again, you and a VA might be able to do a ton. You could generate, we've seen people generate two, three, four hundred $400,000 a year in revenue, all the way up, maybe even close to half a million with like one or two kind of independent contractors outside the owner. And that's fine. But eventually the owner goes, okay, I'm getting a little burnt out. I don't want to be the only one teaching and coaching. I don't want to be the one doing as much customer service as I am. I don't want to be the only one doing all the marketing that then that's where we have to start to build some strategy into where's the best place for me to invest money in team members. That's going to help grow the top line will also make the business easier for me to run. So it makes a little more sense. I'm speaking very generally right now. It obviously makes so much more sense when you're in your own business, looking at your own numbers, but this is just a perfect example of like, I can give you a metric of like 20% of your revenue going to team, but this is where it's so important around like, okay, just going out and spending 20% of your budget on team members isn't necessarily the answer. We need to be thinking, again, thinking more deeply and strategically strategically around, well, who do we need and do we have the right systems and processes in place so I'm not overspending on my contractor costs unnecessarily. So this is that strategy. This is that game number two that we're talking about that again, you'll start to learn and you'll start to experience as your business grows because you're going to see it's not like all of a sudden uh, inefficiencies in your business are just going to jump out of you out of nowhere and just go, surprise, we're inefficient. It's like, you're going to kind of see as you're spinning your wheels a little bit and going like, all right, there's got to be a better way to do this than what we're doing it right now. So just trust that as a business owner with your own business, we're all going to, you know, over time, see these things. It's just a matter on, you know, it's just a matter of if you're brave enough and ready to make the changes necessary in your business, because no one just sets up a business perfectly to scale. And it's just going to be, you know, scalable forever. Every single client we worked with has had to make these adjustments. We just have to be open and willing to adjust and correct as we maybe make some good decisions and maybe make some not so good decisions. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So relatable too. You know, I have a couple of clients right now who are, are in that messy, messy place. Well, and this is where, um, not to like toot our horn or anything like this about what we do, but this is where I think a lot of business owners go, I'm trying to make decisions how do I make these decisions? And it's like, well, we need some data, right? Like, can you afford to hire someone? And I think a lot of small business owners go, I don't know, because their bookkeeping's not good. And for those, that are, uh, those of you that um, aren't familiar with really what bookkeeping does, that's when, whether it's you or you hire someone like us to organize the, the transactions that are happening in your business, your income, your expenses, and organizing them in bookkeeping software so we can see, all right? Here's how much revenue we made for the month. Here's what we spent. Here's what's left over as profit, right? Like we need this information. We need this data and we need it done fairly consistently you know, on a monthly basis so that we're not just taking shots in the dark. We can see these patterns and we have this, this financial feedback telling us, yeah, we're like so insanely profitable. Why was I stressing about hiring someone? But it's so hard to make decisions in these murky waters when everything is super nebulous and you're like, I'm just kind of going off of gut instinct and feel that when we start to have to make these bigger decisions around hiring and doing things like this, that's where we have to start taking the financial side of our business more seriously, because that's going to dictate so much of the decisions that we need to make where, okay, we can't hire anybody right now. So either I need to go bust my butt and make some more sales, or we need to look at our processes and go, is the reason we can't hire someone because we're just really inefficient with the amount of work that we have right now, right? And so that data at least sends you on a path of kind of figuring out some things and doing some detective work in your business. And if we don't have a place to start like that, like with our financial data, then that's where you just feel like you're spinning your wheels trying to make decisions with, like it feels like impossible answers. If you don't want to deal with risk, don't be an entrepreneur. That's like the first <laughs> thing I'll say. And I say that as someone who's, um, I think, more conservative in my desire to take on risk as an entrepreneur. I like taking on calculated risk, right? I mean, for God's sake, I was a musician. I was willing to roll the dice, especially when I was younger. I knew the, the, the um, chances of becoming a successful musician were relatively slim. Um, but I felt like I was in a position where I could take that chance. I was young. I still had a good job. Um, I was paying my bills and um, yeah, I was able to kind of, 
make that work. Just like when I took the leap of faith to work with Corey at Evolve Finance, I was like, Corey couldn't afford to pay me what I was making at Adidas. Like we were like, yeah, you can come in, but we're, I took a huge pay cut knowing that we were going to have to take a leap of faith to build the business up so that I could start to at least make some of what I was making before. Now I make much more than I made in my corporate job. So it paid off, but I knew going into this, I had money in the bank. My wife and I were on the same page. I knew how long I could go before I was like, all right, dude, I can't be making this amount of money. Like I maybe have to go get another job. And I knew worst case scenario was I just go get another job, right? So this is where we have to take calculated risks and, um, and being a business owner, um, there's never going to be a guarantee that if you spend X amount of dollars on X, Y, or Z in your business, that you're for sure going to get a return on that investment. But again, that's where the data helps, right? If we know what our numbers are, and we know, or and we know what our marketing metrics are, right? We have some sort of input and data. Then at least we can go. There's a pretty good chance this is going to work out. And if it doesn't work out, then this is the worst case scenario, and we'll totally be fine if that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, the worst case scenario is um, we're not as profitable for a couple months, and then I have to have an awkward conversation and let go of a person I just hired, right? Like these are the things that we have to start to be able to process and problem solve around as as, as business owners. Um, but like you're never going to eradicate all risk, right? Like, just like you can net, like working for someone else, like being an employee for someone else, there's no guarantee either that you're always going to keep your job and that company's always going to employ you. So I think there's risk being an employee too, but entrepreneurship is definitely not for the faint of heart. And if you do want to scale, we have to get better at analyzing our business and sort of weighing the pros and cons of making certain decisions. And if we think there's going to be a payoff or not. Wow. Such good advice. Excellent. Thank you. So, you know, if we could wrap it up with one piece of advice, I don't even know if that's possible. I've already given us so many um, <laughs> tips and strategies and things to think about. What, what would be the one piece of advice you would give someone who's, you know, has launched their business successfully attracting clients, maybe just, you know, tipping over into that hundred thousand dollar Mark, you know, so they're, they, they are generating revenue. Mm -hmm. What would be your um, best tip for a client approaching you um, in those circumstances? Um, I mean, again, getting, I've said it a million times already, I feel like, but we need to start getting data. We need to start making decisions off of tangible things that we can track in the business, right? We need some sort of feedback or scorecard um, so that we're not just taking shots in the dark. Um, but I think ultimately we just have to be ready to be uncomfortable. Like mm. we're going to have to learn new things. Again, I came from a corporate background. I had some really great business experience under my belt. Um, I've had to learn all kinds of new things as of all finances grown, right? We've quadrupled in size since I started, um, six years ago. Uh, we may even be more than that now. So it's like along that way, there's things I was really comfortable with and I knew how to do and, and Corey, my business partner knew how to do. And then there's things like, for instance, we now have a team of about there's 17 employees, um, right now in our company. I've never managed this many people before. So we've had to invest in some leadership coaching and like invest in learning the things that we know are blind spots for us, or we don't have as much experience in. And so that's where I think as business owners, um, you don't have to be your accountant. You don't have to understand all the tax laws. You don't have to understand how to do all the bookkeeping yourself and QuickBooks online. You don't have to do your legal work. You don't have to be a copyright expert, but you do have to start to understand how your business functions enough that you know when to bring the right people in. You know who's a good fit for your business. So you can at least start to understand what pieces you need to put into place, even if you're not the person or the expert doing that work in your business yourself. So this is where we just have to have that learner's mindset. We're all about teaching other people, well, we need to continue to make sure we're willing to learn as well. Because uh, unless you grew up in an entrepreneurial family and your parents showed you every aspect of what it takes to run a small business, then congratulations, you're like everybody else in, you know, running a small business. Um, you're figuring it out as you go along. So as long as you have the confidence to believe that you can problem solve anything that comes up, that you're resilient enough, um, to be able to um, go out, figure things out and, and trust that even if it sucks right now, it will get better down the road. Um, that's half the battle. I really do think that's half the battle. Our clients that we work with who are really successful, they're, they all started somewhere. 
None of them had all the answers, but I think what got them to where they're at was they were committed to getting results for their students and their clients. Um, and they got better and better at getting those results uh, for their clients. And then they got really good at learning all the other business bull crap that you don't realize you're going to need to know. And they were committed to learning it and figuring it out and bringing in people to help them with it too. You're not going to be able to do it all on yourself, you know, yourself. I think sometimes people go, Oh, I want to start a course-based business so I don't have to deal with people. Well, I got bad news for you. You're <laughs> going to have to get other people involved with you if you want your business to uh, maybe hit the levels of scaling that you want it to scale to. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you want to scale your course-based business. Uh, so we just have to continue that learner's mindset and trust that if you don't have the answer right now, you have the ability and the competence to learn and figure out how to solve it. Oh, that's gold. Thank you so much for really just laying it out there. Like that's the honest, the honest truth. I think when you mentioned the word, like get used to getting, being uncomfortable. Um, I think that that in itself is just such a really powerful thing to, to sort of wrap your mind around anybody that I know that's, you know, with, regardless whether you're starting out or you're at that hundred thousand dollar mark and you're, you know, moving on up, um, going into seven figures, eight figures, they're all saying the same things. A lot of my, um, entrepreneur friends is like, there's messy parts all along the way. So you just kind of have to be prepared for it. And like you said, have that resilient mindset to kind of get you through it and, um, seek out the support and help that you need from people like you. So on that note, like tell us where we can find you. Um, you know, you talked a little bit already about who you serve, but I know you have a Facebook group. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, the best place to learn more about is uh, just go to evolvedfinance.com, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, evolvedfinance.com. Uh, we have, like I said, a great workshop there that you'll find on our website if you want. It's a free workshop. We give away a budgeting tool for both your business and your personal finances. Um, we honestly, honestly should be probably charging money for it, but we don't because we just want to help people understand this part of their business more. Um, we have our podcast where I do a lot, you know, each week I'm doing um, – uh, I'm just teaching a little more about something financial, something operational, something strategy wise as it relates to running an online course business. And then we have a Facebook group that, um, that we have kind of revolved around the podcast and we're going to actually be doing some really exciting things uh, with the podcast going into later this year. And then if you're listening to this and going, yo dude, I just want someone to help me with my bookkeeping. Then if you're getting to that point where you know you're going to cross that $100,000 mark, or maybe you're already well into the six figure mark uh, in your own business, you're operating in US dollars. And if you're probably listening to this course podcast, you probably are selling digital products like courses. Then on our website, um, you can schedule a free consultation call with myself and our client engagement coordinator, Whitney, um, to talk about your business and see if we'd be a good fit to help you with your bookkeeping. That's awesome. I am going to have to go check out some of those freebies that you said that you should be charging for because I want to get them before you decide to put a price tag on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an entrepreneur. Be, uh, I got to save money, you know? <laughs> so. No, you, those spreadsheets we give away in that, that free workshop uh, is worth, um, I think, worth giving us your email address alone. So, um, but yeah, definitely recommend every, especially if you're like, this is also new to you and you just kind of want to crash course and how the financial side of your business works and, um, and understand like, not just from a boring number standpoint, but from like fundamentally, why should I give a crap about this part of my business? So you can get the motivation and excitement to understand how the numbers are actually going to make your business more fun and less stressful to run then that know your numbers now workshop will definitely be uh be for anyone listening that is like yes give me that crash course and and, and just don't want to be scared about this part of your business anymore well I'll definitely be putting all the links to all that goodness in the show notes below thank you so much for spending some time with me for someone who myself i'm speaking about who doesn't really have a really great strength in the finance side of things you know, really appreciate the insight that you've provided. And I know that there's some action items that I need to do as a result of our conversation today. So thank you very much. You're very welcome, Tracy. Thank you again for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> 